morning, everybody. Welcome to The Map. My name is Andy Bernstein. What is The Map? The Map stands for the Mental Health and Addiction Podcast. We started the show back in December of 2019 with the hope of bringing interesting discussions, guests, and information from the world of addiction and mental health. Our goal for the show is to open up a dialogue and have a forum about mental health and addiction challenges. Actually, one in five people in this country have mental illness, and at last count, 77 people overdosed in 2019. This is something that affects our country in a massive way, and having real conversation about it is bringing it to the forefront. So let's meet our panel. Joining us, as always, is Chris Perry Long. Who are you, Chris? Tell us about yourself. Um, so my name is Chris Perry Long. I am a mom of kids that are in recovery. So today's a good day. Um, I work for Aware Recovery, which is an in-home uh, care service. It's uh, 365 days of family education and um, recovery work for your loved one. Um, and yeah, and I love them out. We love the map, and uh, we'll get into uh, a little more but uh, as we go. But uh, let's also meet Willie Drinkwater. Willie is going to join us now on a regular basis. And Willie, who are you? Not, <laughs> ex <laughs> not existentially. You know, that's a lifelong task, you? Andy. You know, who I want to know you. All the existential you? questions. Where's Jean-Paul Sartre when you need him? You know what I'm saying, man? Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a person in long-term recovery of 34 years. Uh, I've been working in the field of addiction for more than 30 years. Now, addiction and mental health, actually. Uh, I'm an educator for UMass Boston and the Addiction Counseling Education Program. Uh, my experience in mental health addiction, uh, 15 out of my 30 years was doing inpatient lock unit uh, psych, psych addiction. And then the rest, uh, I've worked in all the modalities. Uh, um, IOP, PHPs, uh, freestanding detoxes, Somerville Hospital. I was on the last of the detox there before they closed. Uh, pretty, pretty much uh, street action with the People's Republic of Cambridge over in Central Square in the old days, Albany Street, Street Shelter, and stuff. Uh, I, I was actually like uh, where, where Rick stayed on the comedy scene in, in early 1990s when I split off and started to go into human services because. You know, basically, I wanted to drop a digit off my income, so I went into human <laughs> services. You know, so there, was, there you uh, go. A lot of yuck. We're getting a lot of yucks right now. That's cool. Yeah, um, yeah. And as, thank you, Willie. Um, as for me, I've spent the last three years working in the addiction and mental health world from the media side. I had no idea how I got here, but um, I actually created an addiction education show called Cross Check Radio with NHL great Kevin Stevens, and we did shows for a long time and we had a lot of different guests, everybody from Chuck Negron from Three Dog Night, the Mark Recchi with the Bruins, we had a ton of guests. And so the idea was to bring that conversation to light from people um, and, and then also experts who are in the field who also talk about um, kind of their world. And so we tried to provide a real um, education for people. So. Having said that, um, unfortunately, or sadly, um, Kimberly, who was part of our original crew, has moved on the greener pastures, and she uh, decided to um, start kind of re different things in her own life. So, um, so it's the three of us now, and uh, and then we're going to meet our guest, Rick Jenkins, from the Boston Comedy Store. Shot studio. I'm sorry. Yeah, studio. In a minute. Sorry about that. Um, but before we get started with Rick, I wanted to highlight a quick article that came out yesterday or September 1st, which was yesterday. Called, um, it was in the Huffington Post and on Yahoo. The foods to eat for better mental health. Um, and experts are warning that the lingering effect of the coronavirus obviously causes a mental health crisis. And they're talking about food and using food is a dangerous uh, substitute for medicine and eating for your brain health can help ease the impact of anxiety, depression, and even post-traumatic stress. And, you know, obviously, you know, eating out and people are trying or not eating out, but ordering takeout and things like that, almost as comfort food is, uh, you know, 
causes more stress and anxiety. So what they're saying is, and you guys can look up the article, but what they're saying is things like uh, prebiotics and probiotics are something good for mental health. And that includes uh, kimchi, yogurt, um, sauerkraut, pickled vegetables, you know, real fun stuff. And then, and then they also talk about obviously fruits and vegetables are good and um, spices is something else. And, um, but then the foods that can hurt mental health are fried foods, processed foods, trans fats, nitrates, and foods high in salt. Um, and of course, refined sugars, but every, everybody knows that. So, um, you know, as someone who suffers from anxiety and depression at times, um, food almost becomes comforting. So, um, so I found this helpful to at least as a reminder to continue um, worrying about my, my state of mind during this pandemic. So I'm throwing it out to you guys. I mean, the, the one food I eat at, at least a couple of times a week, and you may think I'm crazy, are sardines. Sardines are a superfood. They have like, it's amazing if you look at sardines. That's because you're old. That's because you're old. And, and older, older, not older. old. I don't wear white New Balance sneakers. Thanks anyway. They don't have Velcro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, man? I've got, <laughs> got Saucony's product placement. Saucony's are blue, man, you know? All right, but no, but, but sardines are good because sardines anchovies are good because of the fact that they'll never contain mercury because what they eat is photoplankton, right? So you, so you don't have to worry about mercury as far as they go. But sardines on saltine crackers, what a delightful sandwich! Yeah, I mean, whatever gets you through the night. But That's here's it. the thing. But here's the thing. <laughs> I think that I'm trying to be funny. We got a guy from a comedy I just like threw up in my mouth. There's nothing funny about sardines. Oh, sardines are good, I love man. fish, but yeah. there's, they need to fillet them and saute them and no. Uh, what's, no your go, what's your go-to during the pandemic, Chris? Oh. Uh, your food-wise, food-wise, food-wise. Um. I don't know. We've been kind of, I've been like experimenting. I've been like, I bought a cookbook from some gen woman and been making a recipe and they're really good. And I never go and repeat the recipe. So it's, I hate when you do that, you make something and it's absolutely delicious. And you're like, Oh, and then you go and you make something else and it's absolutely delicious. And then you can't remember because you have yeah. CRS and you know, the story goes on. I don't know. I mean, I like everything. I'm, do you I'm find yourself, do you find yourself, <laughs> do you find yourself eating, um, you know, uh, out of anxiety or fear at all? Sometimes, but, you know, I try to like derail that. Um, I do find myself snacking more because I'm home and there's nothing else to do. Cheese its cheese its <laughs> Yeah, Cheez-Its and Twizzlers. It's just, ben and you know, Jerry's, Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's interesting that diet, I, I wanted yeah. to bring that up yeah. because I wanted to be, um, provide some kind of resource and information. Right, I think, right. uh, you know, a lot of it's already common sense, but we're throwing it out there. All right. Yeah. Hey, did anybody watch uh, 16 and in recovery last night on MTV? No. No, no that, that's the one from, from the North Shore Recovery High School, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh. There's some guy on LinkedIn that uh, came out and slammed them too. I don't know if you, if you saw the LinkedIn. The, they were talking about the show on LinkedIn. They were talking about the show coming up on LinkedIn and there was a, a social worker out there that came out and just slammed them for it and stuff. If you get a chance, take a look at it. After. I'll have to find it. I mean, I, I, my heart hurts because it's, it's very real. It's yeah. very, it's, it's, there's no sugarcoating it. You know, there, there's a girl that they did on Alda, I think her name is on the show and she suffers from depression and from the mouths of babe, she explained depression and you know it was it really gave me goosebumps because for people that maybe don't necessarily understand or accept or think they understand depression and anxiety and how it parallels with why people use substances this this kid was spot on it was unedited raw real material and um you know, and they're, they're following a couple of kids every week. It's only four weeks. Mm. And the, the young man, Sam, so he woke up one day and he didn't feel worthless. You know, he felt like nobody, he didn't want to burden anybody. And so he went missing. And, you know, it shows the parents 
putting his picture on telephone poles because he's missing. And the mom got up and it's like, again, the mom got up and sorry, Andy, I didn't give you any heads up on this one, but the mom got up and she's got the poster of her son. And she said, you know, I don't want to be that mom that holds the poster at the vigils because my child has been lost, you know, but that's, that's, it was really good. I mean, it's real. It's, there's no sugarcoating it. It's not being Let me tell you, let me tell you what I've, just to chime in, what I've really, and we're going to hear from Rick Jenkins, who's going to help us make us feel better to talk about comedy. (laughs) But in the meantime, what I'll say is, is that what really has bummed me out is, um, you know, I'm finding myself, taking on other people's stuff right now. And I have to remind myself, me, my life's good, right? But I always want, I always feel bad, right? So I'm taking on other people's stuff. I, I worry about, you know, friends who are, are in, not in a great place. And I, I remind myself like, that's theirs, right? My, mine is, you know, my life is not, I don't need to feel bad or guilty or things like that. I, I should be grateful for what I have, you know, in my life. And um, I find myself like getting caught up in people's stuff all the time. And it causes me to get depressed and anxiety. And uh, as a matter of fact, last night, um, just quick story, my sister calls always with the tale of woe, always. And um, I said to her, I said, I don't want to hear about your ex-husband before bedtime. <laughs> and she keeps going on and on. I go, Nan, I don't want to hear about your husband before bedtime. Keeps going on and on. I said, Nan, I don't want to hear about your husband. Finally, she hung up and I felt so good about it that I actually said, leave me, you know, I got to take care of me. So that's my quick story. How about that? Yeah, no. Thanks for sharing, right? Uh, Get that stuff out. All right. All right. um, the, the article, going back to the article, it's The Foods to Eat for Better Mental Health. Mm-hmm. It's by Erica Sweeney. It was in HuffPost Live on September 1st. And hopefully we can post the article on our Facebook page. Yeah. And, or uh, put it in the chat. Or put it in the chat. Hmm. Mike, can we put it in the chat? Um, anyway, all right. I don't know, Rick, Rick, the woman's name was Sweeney. I don't know if we can trust her. What do you think? <laughs> you think she's related to Steve? I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, good so, segue. Then she's, okay in, then she's okay in the recovery community. That's it. Man. Hey, Willie, who's the other guy in the box? Let's, who's the man in the box? The man in the box? Rick, oh. God, we, God, the Boston comedy scene. I mean, they just had a reunion not too long. Not, not, I, think, I think it was a virtual reunion of the yeah. Ping Ho crew. Is that true, Rick, and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Tingle put it together. Oh, he's cool. All right. So tell us, tell us who you are, Rick, the, besides just sitting there in the box. The man, the legend. Unattended. The man, the legend. Unattended. unattended. Yeah, I, I, I'm the patient today. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I moved to Boston in 1986 and started doing stand-up comedy. And that's where I ran into Willie. And uh, we've known each other for decades. And uh, the uh, I've gone into recovery. I went into outpatient about two years ago and have been struggling a little bit back and forth since then. I've been uh, sober for about four or five months now in a row, uh, doing meetings and group and uh, naltrexone. Um, and uh, now with the, with the pandemic, it's really, you know, March 1st, my wife and I split. And March 19th, my business was closed by the state. Mm, yeah. So, so you've had yeah, a so lot going on, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So we're in that, uh, you know, in that, um, you know, in that weird spot now. And I saw the thank you guys. I saw the show last week, and I just reached out to Willie and said, you know, fan letter, great job, terrific, and and he asked me on. And yeah. I'm always, much like you. I'm always going back and forth between that thing of should I be should I be helping myself by being of service to others and staying on the phone with her, or should I be taking care of myself and saying you know, I need to push you away. Um, it's always I, I, you first, my friend. Always yeah. you first. Because without yeah, that, you, what... we got nothing. Yeah, if, yeah. if, if I'm not taking care of me, I can't be available. I for take care of her. It's, well, it's funny because then she goes, oh, well, should I provide, you know, I could use some support. I'm like, mm-hmm. I've helped you. Professional support. I've yeah. given you. Unbiased support. Right. I've mm-hmm. helped her incredible between yeah. um, 
you know, uh, financial and emotional support on a regular basis. So, um, Mm -hmm. but I'm stressed, right. And I've got anxiety, so I can't, you know, you get close to your family member and you want to help them. And it's like, when do you draw the line? So, um, so tell us about, because, you know, obviously comedy is, um, you know, you and Willie both kind of believe in comedy as a way to um, heal Mm -hmm. souls, Willie with addiction, but tell us about Mm -hmm. kind of what's going on in the comedy scene out there from Mm -hmm. a, um, you know, from a, you know, I guess, tell us about like how, you know, what's going on in comedy with the current comics and kind of, um, I know so many of them are in recovery now. Yeah. A lot of the older guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, um, and I really have to give credit to uh, guys like Willie and uh, Jimmy Tingle and Julie Barr. There were uh, Jack Lynch. There were a number of comedians back George in the Mack. 80s. Yeah. George Mack. Yeah. Joey Carroll. Yeah. Uh, I know a, Joey. He's a good, good guy. Good guy. Yeah. Yeah. There's a good core group of about half a dozen to a dozen people that got, got sober and clean in the early or late 80s. Okay. And they've really sort of been the touchstone that the rest of the community has been known to be able to reach out to yeah. okay. and say, hey, I'm having some trouble. Because in, in that business, it's really difficult. You are in a bar every <laughs> single night. I mean, the old days, Rick, Rick too. Yeah. I mean, Stitches Comedy Club, you could you could walk out of the Stitch, Stitches Comedy Club uh, was in the paradise for uh, people out there yeah. that, that aren't aware of it but you could walk right out on com ab you could score a few weight balls and walk right back into the club again i mean it was yeah you know and the uh you know in the old days you might have two or three shows people would coke go on stage come off stage drink their way down do coke go on stage come off stage drink their way down and then yeah. looking back now it's kind of funny but you know the last one to do coke was called the designated driver <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you prayed they got you home before they crashed yes yeah. stitches had a cooler of fear in the dressing room. So when, yeah. as soon as you came off stage, you stepped from the stage into the room and grabbed a beer. And it's uh, legendary, but at Nick's, you could actually get paid in Coke. Yeah. At the end of the week, at the end of the week, they would there say, was okay, a club you on the North. There was a club on the North Shore yeah. that I used to, uh, I, I used to be involved with, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Kevin Knox and the whole whacked out crew, man. They, they yeah. paid you in Coke. Back in yeah, the they would day. say, all right, you made $1,100 this week. Right. Here's $1,100 worth of Coke. How much of it do you want? Yeah. <laughs> and someone would go, all right, give me half and half. It was a currency. So, yeah. yeah. So a young guy with, you know, no expenses or anything. Go, all right, go half and half and, you know, give me $500. I'll live on that. Where they got into trouble was the, the clubs were reporting that as, in, you know, paid income. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. So I all, mean, these, all these comics, all of a sudden, after four or five years, the IRS says, hey, you know, this club said they paid you $1,100. Where's the taxes on it? And you can't go to the IRS and say, oh, oh yeah, no, no, that's Coke it- money. That, yeah, doesn't yeah. Coke. that doesn't count. Is there a lot of pressure on the scene for people to use? Well, you know, I, I think it's I, and, and uh, with uh, Rick can, 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 can back me up on this, I think, too. But it got it got to a certain point in the late 90s where if you were a young comic coming on the scene, you know, you had a manager, you had an accountant. I mean, you, you were really looking at it as a business where, yeah. you know, I mean, the 80s, uh, we were out of our minds. You know, it was just wild. Good. Let me ask you guys a question. Um, let me ask you something. Um, that's my Baltimore accent. But let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. Um, way south. What? What exactly? What? What is the psyche of a comic, right? Because I always try to understand this. Like, are comics depressed people, in a, in a sense that have to get out and use their platform to, to 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 kind of. Uh, make light uh, or you know find humor and sadness uh, well I honestly I don't think it's any different than the population in general you know that's what Seinfeld says you know there's lots of depressed dentists you know no one talks about oh he's such a happy dentist and then he gets depressed right um, it's just more much more poetic with, with I mean, comedians I- the yeah, ones yeah. who make it tend to be the ones like Willie was saying the ones who are really focused the ones who get a manager uh, Joe Rogan was really, really focused. I he did not. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't drinking. He wasn't drugging. He was focused on having a career. And that next generation that came up, all of a sudden, comedy could be a career. There could be a future to right. it. Right. Whereas right. these eighty comedians, yeah, it yeah. was what's happening tonight. Yeah. Right. So they treat it more as a uh, professional situation. Yeah. Yeah. I like what Jimmy Tingle's doing um, with his mm-hmm. um, creating uh, his virtual. Or not virtual, but he was doing charitable. Yeah, uh, humor for humanity. Yeah, I mean, how, I mean, you know, how much is, 
is the point of humor right now or the idea of humor as a way to um, heal anxiety? Do you think this is, how do you, how do you find a way to laugh right now? How, <laughs> how, do, how do you find humor? And I find me personally, everything's funny to me. Everything is funny usually because I try to see the, 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 the comment, the, the light side of things mm -hmm. and laugh at them. But, but like, how do you guys, you know, what, what are your suggestions to people out there to find humor in um, this current yeah, I mean, among my favorite, of, you know, my, one of my personal favorites was Carl and the observation. Mm -hmm. So I just try to observe things and then make yeah. a comment on it. You know, I mean, just observationless stuff. Yeah. Stuff that I find amusing. yeah. Yeah. In a lot of cases, humor is perspective. You know, stepping back and saying, hey, it's not that big a deal. Can you believe we took that that seriously? Yeah. Right. Um, you know, that's uh, that you're always going back and forth. Boy, I'm really special. Boy, I'm not special at all. You know? Right. And yeah. humor right. is that. Well, I'm not that special. You know, this this stuff happens. Now, the way that you survive as a stand up, too, is, you know, you think one of two ways. The first one was I was great. The audience loved me. And the second one yeah. is I was great. The audience sucked. Mm -hmm. You know, your, your ego couldn't, couldn't, couldn't take that, you know, couldn't yeah. stand that 300 people thought you sucked. So, it was, yeah, you know, yeah. I was great. They loved me. You know, uh, I was great. They sucked. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There was a sense of isolation too. I was reading a Springsteen's autobiography. And I, he talks isn't about, that great? I, yeah, yeah. He talks about being, I, yeah, being a young guy and going into town and saying, I'm going to go in and I'm going to, you know, dominate your bar and I'm going to kill and I'm going to drink all your beer and sleep with all your women and be gone the next day. You know, when you're a young guy, that's, you know, all the substances are there and it's like, it's I can drink inviting. anyone under the table. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a real, there, there's a real machismo to that, that feeling of going on the road and just walking into a strange town and, and doing all the drugs they got. Well, the real, I, uh, go ahead. gunslinger man, man, man yeah. the gunslinger. I have a friend that's a, uh, whatever that band, a cover band is a cover band. Yeah. And, um, surreal Neil, Neil uh, no, 36 red. Okay. Anyway, um, I live in Foxborough, and so we have um, we have the Twitter Center or whatever it is, Great Woods or whatever it is now. I don't. The, uh, it's always changing. Yeah, yeah, whatever <laughs> it is, down the street, and then we also have Gillette, and um, so there's a bar at Patriots Place. No, it's no longer there. It has since then closed. But the owner or the name of the singer, I'm not going to say, uh, had played in Mansfield and then came over to the bar later that night to sing uh, Red Solo Cup. Mm. And he's, his daughter also is a singer and she came. Now she was like straight and he was mm. trashed. <laughs> so now you go from a couple thousand people to a couple hundred people. And like we were on stage with him because the band is our friend and we were on stage and we were singing and, and everything, but he was trashed. Like he was, yeah. He wasn't just drunk, like he was Hammond. crashed Hammond. And that long ago. And it's like, you look at that and it's like, yeah. I think about people that in that public figure, how can they, yeah. how can they function mm -hmm. with all the crap that must've been in his system through the, the, the show and then taking the limo, the limo driver didn't even want to bring him over because he was so mm -hmm. hammered. Yeah. yeah. I just, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't, yeah. I guess, you know, money buys happiness, but honestly, he did not look yeah. happy. Well, I go, I go to a meeting, um, right turn, Woody uh, Geisman does a great Yeah, And uh, luck, luckily as a comedian, they consider me an artist, but they have a, a meeting <laughs> called uh, Artists in Recovery. Yeah, yeah, Thursday nights at 7.30. Yeah. And Willie's, Woody's been bringing in some of his old friends and there are people telling those stories of, I was playing in front of 50,000 people came off stage and there's all the drugs and everything you want. Uh, the one guy said he put his guitar in the rock and roll hall of fame. And three years later to the date was working in a mail room at a law firm yeah. that uh, there was just no way to slowly come down from that. Yeah. You know, yeah. being a huge star and nobody says no to you. Once you become famous, nobody yeah. says, Hey, I'm think you're trashed and we're not going to put you on stage. Well, you know, back I mean, the pressure when you're at that level, too. I was talking to Woody one time and I said, you know, what's the biggest crowd that you ever played in front of? And he stopped for a moment and he paused. He said, Milan, Italy. I said, uh, mm -hmm. how many, how many, how many people? Yeah. 
He said 80,000. I said, He was in the Del Fuegos. Yeah, right, right, yes, right. Yes, right. Yes, and, yes, and I'm yes, saying 80,000. Yes, how did you do that? He said, as trashed as you could get. Yeah. That's the point. Well, I want to back up for something about the Springsteen book because I'm looking right at my Springsteen book right oh, now. I got mine I, right over there. I, I went. I went to his book signing. Right. I'm going to put mine over here. No. Okay. He signed <laughs> ten thousand books total. He went ten mm-hmm. cities, and Cambridge was one. And you had to get like, you had to sign up to be able to get in, right? So I waited for three hours with all these Bruce fans to get a yeah. chance to take a picture with Bruce. You buy the book, he signs it, but he doesn't sign it, it's already pre-signed. So I'm gonna tell you a quick story about this. And and so I'm waiting in line, I finally get to Bruce, put my arm around him, hey, how you doing, right? And that was it. Mm -hmm. I was like, that sucked. Right? (laughs) That totally sucked. I waited three three hours hours in line. Right. It was like better than the DMV because I was having a conversation with people. Yeah. We were having a really nice time talking about Bruce and stuff. So he's a very frail man, actually. Mm-hmm. Putting my hand on his back, he's a very he's in his 70s, yeah. Yeah, he's frail. Like, he's wicked frail. So I started reading the book afterwards. And basically what that was is, because if you remember in the book, he said, I couldn't possibly read Bruce Springsteen on a regular basis. That is not, I couldn't hold that lifestyle on a regular basis. That is not me, right? That's sustainable. Yeah, he said, I would be locked up if that that was the case. Like, you know, and and then I thought about it and I'm like, okay, so here's a man showing himself stripped down, right? He was so, I mean, he was so shy. He was actually really shy and reading that. And so, so then I watched his um, uh, on Broadway, on Broadway, live on Broadway. Mm-hmm. I watched it the other day and I'm like, could you imagine how cathartic it was for Bruce to do a show five nights a week talking about his life every night? Could you imagine, I mean, doing that. So I, I'm guessing to, to bring it back full circle for comedians and being a comedian yourself and Willie, you being a comedian, um, not really a comedian, a former comedian. Oh, How- no, no. I get folks who say, say you, you, you don't do comedy anymore, huh? I said, oh, no, I do. And they yeah, go, right? where, where, where do you do comedy yeah. every time I teach? But how cathartic is terms. it for people? How cathartic is it for you guys personally? Well, humor, but- humanity, human. I mean, they all begin with H-U-M. I think there's a reason for that. They're all connected. Now, that's yeah, a good point. Humanity. Yeah, there, there's also the other side of it. I mean, when I go into a room... I will start taking the temperature of the room of, do they expect me to be Rick Jenkins comedy club owner, Rick Jenkins, mm. uh, you know, comedian, or am I just, or do they, most people just have no idea who I am. Yeah. So I can't imagine what it's like on that other side of it. We, um, Joe Berbiglia, a very, very terrific comedian. And I recommend uh, all of his stuff. Terrific storyteller. I was talking with him just last week. He did an internet show and they sold over 400 tickets and they sold, uh, 50 VIP tickets, sort of like with Springsteen. Right. You see the show and then you get a code and you come into the VIP room where you, you know, Mike is and all that. Because they sold 50, people were really upset because they said, I thought by paying 50, I'd get at least three or four minutes talking to you. Right. With 50 people, that's simply not possible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're trying to maintain a, you're trying to maintain a relationship knowing that on some level it has to be artificial. And that's sort of like, you, then you start getting into that mindset of the drug understands me. I can really be myself with the drug, you know, that uh, like Richard Pryor famously does, you know, talking about talking right to the blow, but the, you know, the pipe is there saying like, oh, come right. on, Rich. No, no, no. Cocaine, I, cocaine yeah. is, what yeah. does he say about cocaine? He goes, somebody says, cocaine, cocaine, a hell of a drug or something. Yeah. Yeah. But, that, that person, you know, that, that person who said uh, that, the person who said you're frail, Fuck them, Bruce. Bruce, you, you come over here. Have a couple of drinks. You won't even care about that. What about um, cocaine? Why cocaine? Why was cocaine the the drug of choice rather than, you know, is that? I think st- it, yeah, it, it was just it was the '80s. It was new, and it's, I think a big chunk energy, of it was. Too. Yeah, and well, and the energy and the rumor was that it wasn't addictive. Right. right. You had a lot of people saying, you know, marijuana. It wasn't addictive, but I like to do it 24 hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. 
and, the and Don it, Gavin yeah. line. I hate cocaine, but I love the smell of that stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The only uh, the only problem with cocaine was that you couldn't get enough of it. Nobody right. saw the downside. Yeah. So my old show, I had Josh Dolan on, um, young guy, young comedian. Really, he's a good guy. I don't know if you know Josh. And I asked Josh, I don't know how Josh ended up on our show because it was about addiction and recovery and he's didn't either. Um, but, 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 but he got Case sent study. to us. He got sent to us, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the thing I learned about, and I asked Josh this, what kind of support is there for other comics, right? Are there co- are, are any kind of support groups for comics? Well, right in, turn, the artist in recovery is right. a big one. I mean, you know, George yeah. Mack and a bunch of the guys, they've been doing that for years and years and years, and they're really supportive, so. Yeah, and it's really mostly by example, Mm. You know, everyone in comedy knows who's sober and who's not. And right. if you're, you know, I can't tell you how many times someone pulls a Jimmy Tingle or a George Mack aside out of the show and go like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm you know, what, what's that meeting you do with it? And those guys are really great of leading by example. Absolutely. Not not preaching Absolutely. and not yeah. Uh, yeah. not telling comedians. But They're available if you want to talk. Right. Yeah. yeah. So how do you. OK, so going back to you for a second, going back to you, Rick. Um, mm-hmm. you, you, um, when we started the show, you talked about your, um, you know, your divorce and, and your business. How are you coping right now? Like, I know you mentioned meetings, but how are you trying to, you know, stay up during this time? Is it, I'm doing, uh, so I'm doing, uh, uh, well, butrin, naltroxone and, um, uh, oh, and Adderall. Um, yeah. That's so in I'm the doing. last two, in the last two years, uh, I've gotten into therapy and started really working on some of the stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, it's difficult because March 1st, I got my own apartment. March 19th, the state closed my business. My entire industry is shut down. We got a statement from the, the mayor that said live entertainment will not be allowed for the foreseeable future. In, in New York State, the actual law says uh, uh, exotic dancing and stand-up comedy will not be allowed in any phase. Um, you, could do, so, you could do virtual, which they've already been doing both well, anyway. Right. So that's, I mean, it, it's almost a Hail Mary. That's in desperation. That's what we're doing. We're taking our entire club and putting all of our shows online and charging $10 a ticket on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for the show mm-hmm. and getting some of our the famous people who started out with us yeah. on there. And the hope is, you know, to be able to, uh, you know, to make that uh, big enough and to, you know, to, to be able to bridge that until we're open. Cause it's like the auto industry leaving in a day. Uh, a yeah. quick question, Rick, Rick. I mean, are yeah. a few of the clubs now, I mean, I think I had, I had heard that giggles and sagas was going to be, I heard that open. They were doing, open. Uh, uh, doing outdoor shows. Do you know right. what they're doing that at this point? Yeah. Yeah. They are. There was a big uh, article in the globe past weekend. Uh, what they did, they get one of those big wedding tents. Yeah. You know, with the plastic windows on the side yeah, and yeah. they put it in the parking lot. So that technically it's outside. Right. So in Saugus with the state regulations, as long as you have the distancing and it's outside and all that. So yeah, but you, got capacity, the drone of, you got the drone of the cars from route one going by. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that their capacity is down to 90. Okay. But uh, Mike Clark sees it. Mike Clark was the guy who booked the Ding Ho. He That's sees Lenny's it as, brother. That's Lenny's yeah, brother, right? Lenny's oh, brother. Yeah, brother. And he, yeah. yeah, they see it as, you know what, this is this is our legacy. We've been doing this and now we're close to retirement. We're not going to, yeah. we're, we're not going to let this uh, take us down. We're going to do right. something. So I'm going online and they're going in the parking lot. Yeah. Um, so with the comedy studio, I mean, I was reading, uh, you've had some of the top comics come through, yeah. right? Tell us about who are some of the people that you've, uh, that have grace. Oh. Yes, Chris, go ahead. Yes, Chris. Thank you. I can get a word in edgewise. I feel like, you know, <clears throat> anyway. Well, you're all men unite. Bald men unite. <laughs> yeah. You got to just hey, cut so, in, Chris. Um, yeah. So I'm from Nantucket. Mm. Have you ever had um, a comedian? I'm not going to put his name out there just because I don't know how he's doing, but uh, from Nantucket, I'm pretty sure he's he's stood up at your place. Yeah, I know. Yeah, there, there's a few, actually. Um, if you're talking about Brian, he's doing Rose very well. Rosen yeah, right. yeah, yeah, Brian's doing very well. Um, Kevin Flynn actually does a Kevin Flynn actually does a festival mm. there, and he, oh, he's really? a guy from yeah, he does, does a guy back from back in the 80s who's is doing very yeah. well, yeah. Um, but yeah, that area, um, it's, it's difficult. Guys like Brian, they really have to work because there's not you know, much, you make your, yeah, well, you make your reputation at places like mine, 
which means you have to drive from Nantucket to, you know, Cambridge yeah. and back to do five minutes for free, you know, to try and make your reputation that you're, you know, you belong in that category. But yeah, we Brian's done a great we job. Drive, we don't drive from Nantucket to Cambridge. We either yeah. fly and then drive or take the boat and then drive. Wheels up. Just, just yeah, and imagine doing and all that for there is electricity and plumbing yeah. on Nantucket. Just for future. <laughs> Chris, but Chris, just imagine a... doing that for five minutes uh, on stage yeah. on an open mic, hoping that, you know, that I say, oh, you're good. You can come back and do that yeah. again for free. Yeah. Chris. Yeah. I have a client who was born and raised out on the island and stuff uh he's really? in his 40s i won't go into it and stuff but he said that uh he said that the uh yeah uh they refer to the uh the, the uh the 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 rose and crown as the frozen frown when it comes to no, the, it's the, the hose honest. me down it's the hose <laughs> me down that was the frozen frown oh no, it's the hose me down it's right across the street from the police department right <laughs> well that's convenient i used to I used to perform them there, there when Dirty Dick Dick Doherty was doing. Oh, he's so nasty. Oh. <laughs> you know, Dick. Okay, he, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was it was great because you know when you grew up there, you knew everybody. So, like oh at yeah. Eighteen, you know, we were going into the bars even though we weren't supposed to because we could, yeah. and we were seeing. So, like, I've seen some of these people that, like, I probably should not have seen at like 18, 17, 18 years old. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I just talked to Dick. Yeah, I just talked to Dick last week. Uh, he was also one of the people early in the uh, in the recovery community. Yeah. Hey, uh, how you doing? Out. Good to see yeah. you guys. Hey, what's yeah. up? <laughs> I helped a lot of those folks. Uh, he yeah. what he did was he basically uh, yeah he basically sold everything, shut everything down, yeah. got an RV, and he and his wife are driving around the country. Kathy, yeah, Kathy, yeah, yeah. and the, you know yeah the, she gets a job at a fried dough stand in uh, Gonquit, and then you know two <laughs> weeks it. later they drive down to Florida and they get a job yeah. you know. On the clam I wanna, thing and they're just I'm trying to convince my husband to buy a houseboat and we'll just we'll <laughs> be on the ocean somewhere, you yeah. know, because he's from the water and I'm from the water and it's what like, is he from Aquaman? What do you mean he's from <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a mass maritime? Oh, okay. Yeah. He's, he's from the water, he's, he's from Atlanta, he's from Atlantis. Um way down below he's the man down. mermaid, okay? He's a merman. <laughs> he's a merman. Mermaid. He's a man I, I, I have a question. Um, just so, be careful. Just be careful that that, that boredom, the, suddenly the substances start sounding good. Yeah. Oh, you, yeah. I don't live there anymore. happening with the pandemic. All of a sudden you're like, well, you know, no one's going to know. I don't live there and, anymore. Uh, I, I left uh, 22 years ago. I had five kids. I married a cop. I divorced a cop. Mm. And I got remarried. <laughs> and then we left Nantucket. And now, like I said, I live in Foxborough. But I haven't been there for 22 years. Yeah, but by the, by the time I graduated high school of... 40 something people and went to college. I was a professional alcoholic because, mm. because we didn't do anything else out there, but drink on the weekends. There was mm -hmm. no bowling alleys. There what? was no movie theaters. There was nothing. And the fire department would set up at our prom, the beach parties. So, mm -hmm. you know, we'd go to the beach parties, there'd be pallets and fires. We, that's all we did was drink. We, we drink, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it holds the community together. It's, you know, that's, that's what we do. You know, you yeah. buy a drink for each other, and that's how you, you say you want to be friends. Yeah. Can we be friends, right? Um, I, I have a question for you, um, Rick. So in my, yeah, I'm, well, I'm trying. I'm sitting there trying <laughs> to, like, keep it. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. So don't distract me right now, right? So, so Rick, I, um, I interviewed Bobby Fairley a couple years ago. And, mm -hmm. um, like, last year I interviewed him. And um, what a great guy. He's the saner of the brothers. <laughs> he is the same, right? Because the other brother, Peter, has a, you know, so Bobby had a son who had, um, you know, he had some tragedy in his his life. Yeah. And so I was sitting with Bobby. I'm going to pose this question to you and Willie and, and Chris, if you'd like to chime in. But I'm, I'm sitting there and I said to him, I said, how important is the media and comedy to you know, can, is there shows around addiction? I know we have mom, right. Um, with our, our guy, local Boston guy, Eddie Gordetsky, right. Who Rhode Island guy, but yeah. Rhode Island. We won't hold it against him, but, but here's the question. Yeah. Um, what do you get knocked out? 
wait. <laughs> Where'd he go? Where'd he go? He's like, I'm going. I don't know. The camera went gunfire. up to the ceiling. And then Gun, gunfire. Let me get down. I didn't hear anything. There must have been a silencer involved. Okay. Duck. Duck. I think he knocked it over. Maybe he sneezed. Uh, All right, you have to hold on to that question because guess what? He's not even here. I don't yeah. know where he went. I don't know where he went. Here he comes. There he is. You're back. He's going to make tuna sandwiches like one of our guests we had. She was like making lunch for her kids while she was doing the show. But, but my question, if when I wait for him to come back. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There um, is. Okay. So, so, so my question is, is so Bobby goes, well, I guess there is a show, but obviously you haven't seen it. And I said, what show is that? He said, Louder Milk, which is on direct TV. And I watched it. It's hilarious. It's Ron Livingston from Office Space. He's a former writer for Rolling Stone magazine, and he is an alcoholic, and he ends up running AA meetings, and he's absolutely miserable. And another guy from Boston is on the show. Um, I believe Jackie Flynn is on it from time to time. Jackie, Jackie Flynn. Jackie, Jackie Flynn. Jackie. Yeah. 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 Jackie yeah, I mean, but but no, but the other comic, and I can't remember the name, um, is um, uh, I can't remember, but he's another local Boston comic that stars on the show. Um, and, and I guess my question to you guys is, do you think we need more shows like this? Do you think we need more modeling about, you know, um, finding, you know, like creating more shows about recovery that aren't so dark. Yeah, more... you, you get a show like Mom, and Mom is following, you know, that 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 dramedy format that MASH was the first show to really put it out there, where you, you know, you've got this sarcastic humor going all the way through the show, and then you all of a sudden you have this poignant moment that takes your breath away. And I think right. you know, that's how you do it. I mean, even with, with my clients and my uh, my uh, practice and stuff, humor can be a disarming thing. You know, you know, you, you use a little humor. And all of a sudden, you know, a patient saying, wow, I, I can't believe I just told you about that, you know, because you, it just it just put them in a state where they were so at ease that it flowed out. So, I mean, right. Yeah, well, I go, I go back and forth a little bit on it because um, my first manager actually managed uh, Dr. Drew. Um, I, wa- I look at shows like that and um, and the MTV shows and all that. My hesitation about them is that with humor or whatever, you need everything wrapped up really quickly. You need a, oh, and now she's all better. You know, all they went to a meeting. And I think sometimes it doesn't really give a realistic view of it to, in order to get to the joke, to keep it entertaining. Yeah. Right. Um, that, that's, that's sort of my, my hesitation thing. about presentation in, in the media. Yeah, it's a hard way to, how do you, how do, you do it and not- I think with mom it. has a certain flow to it though. Mm-hmm. You know, mom, mom does- mom- I think mom's a really good depiction. I think it's, it's, as, yeah, I'm not familiar. I think it's as close as we can get within guidelines of what you can and cannot say and mm-hmm. what you can and cannot do. Like they touch on and they, they provoke thought. And um, I think that people that are in recovery or thinking about in recovery can relate to it um, in some way, shape or form. As far as more shows like it, um, I think there needs to be more shows about people that are successful in recovery and they do depict, you know, the journey, but, you know, and, and, you know, Willie, you'll, and you'll say with me, you know, the first thing that we do when we start working with somebody is, you know, to instill hope mm-hmm. because, you know, somebody that is down and, and, and out and, you know, worthless and everything else is, you know, our jobs is to provide hope. And last night, the woman that started this school, she goes, it's my job to bring hope into these kids' lives. I can't imagine being 12 years old and drinking. Like one of these kids, he's 12 years old and he's drinking and he's drinking because that's all that he knows. You know, and and he goes, the young man I had talked about earlier, his name was Sam. (coughs) Sam went missing. (coughs) Sam didn't go anywhere else. He showed up at school the next day because school was his safe place. School where he was accepted and understood for who he was and how he was. And he wasn't judged. And I think, you know, shows like that uh, to open up the eyes and, again, provoke thinking in ways of how we can help people that suffer from substance abuse as well as mental health. 
And I think it's yes. interesting, too, because the show, the show Mom began and the whole focus was primarily, you know, addiction and 12 step and, you know, mm -hmm. AA and NA. And then as the show has been going down the road, now all of a sudden they're going into mental health, depression and mental yeah. health. And, you know, because dual diagnosis is the expectation. It's not the exception. I saw yeah. it filmed in L.A. I was out in L.A. and I saw it filmed and uh, uh, Rain Wilson from The Office was actually the psychiatrist. <laughs> on the show yeah. and it was really cool how they're you know because that's really the the yeah. the underlying theme to to the whole thing i mean jamie presley's on it i believe jamie presley had some issues with um meth uh crystal meth i think because mm. she had gotten pulled over so um it's a really good show a really let, let me ask you a yeah let me ask you a question as a as professionals do you see a difference, a fundamental difference between people who go into recovery as youngsters, as teenagers, as young people and people who have like, OK, it's not sustainable anymore. You know, I've, I'm 59, you know, OK, I've been through this and now it has to change. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you statistically and stuff research out of Harvard is uh, the younger the age, the, the younger the age that somebody starts, the greater the difficulty in maintaining sobriety at a later age. Mm. So. Because right. you're, you know, because the human brain develops till age 25. So if you're using heavily in your in your early teens, your mid teens, you're you're changing neuro pathways within the brain. So, yeah, um, Chris, Chris was yeah. Say. I mean, Go I ahead, think like, I think it's really hard to have a 19 or 21 20 year old, you know, enter into sobriety, and then you turn 21, and everybody in the world at 21 has these big visual birthday parties where they're going out and having their first legal drink. And it's yeah. like, I mean, I, I don't cringe. I look to support and, and help and guide and, and keep safe. Mm. But I do cringe deep down inside because I know ultimately if I start with somebody that's 18 or 19 years old, the chances of them really grasping the concept of sobriety isn't really going to happen mm. until they're 23, 24, 25. Yeah, I mean old. that, you know, you know in, in research done years ago, but by Gene Heyman out of McLean's and out of Harvard, again, you know, uh, uh, 70 to 80 percent of people that that get into sobriety, they do it between the ages of 30 and 35. But part of the main reason for that is, you know, 30, 35, you start to realize uh, I'm not going to be alive forever. I'm not, you know, immortal. And, you know, there's stuff I want to do. And this is getting in the way of it. So, mm -hmm. you know. So you usually find 30 to 35, you get 70 to 80% of the people that are going to hit long-term recovery. That's the, you know, that's the age group. So, really. Rick. It doesn't mean you can't get sober before or after, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about what you have coming up. Um, yeah. If you, uh, you know, want to tell us about what's currently going on in your world and how people yeah, can help. Sure. Yeah, well, uh um, yeah, as I said, we're do just go to our website, thecomedystudio.com, and we've got a whole bunch of different shows on it. And uh, the the ticketed shows are Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I host the shows from my living room. That's awesome. Went, went to the club and got the sign, and we we have the backdrop as if we were there. You have Byron Allen T-shirt right behind you, which is cool. I watch yeah, that well, sometimes. Yes. <laughs> um, what? Um, okay, so in our remaining minute um, minutes. Tell me um, if you could advise people out there, like, you know, to try it, because we're all over the board, right? Because that's mm -hmm. how I roll and that's how Willie rolls and Chris and we all. <laughs> but if you could, if you could break it down, right? How, let's talk about for people out there who may be struggling right now, mm -hmm. um, or, you know, because I think so many people are just so beleaguered right now or whatever. Um, what could you give me some advice to somebody on looking at this? in a more uh, uh, lighter side? How, how would you do that? <laughs> um, I would say probably uh, you, you're not alone, even though we're all alone. You know, it's uh, maintain, you know, look at some funny stuff because it's really about maintaining perspective during this time. It's very easy to say, oh, I'm alone and, uh, you know, because I can't leave the house. But on the other hand, hey, you're just like everybody else and everybody else is out there for you. So I would just say when you when you start feeling that that negative side, go like, you know what? There is also a positive side to that coin. Would you recommend a funny movie or something that is, uh, you know, somebody might be able to. Uh... Hmm. Yeah, I would go to uh, the comedy dot com. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. 
There you go. Comedystudio.com. Thanks so much. Thank you for having us on today, or not having us. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for coming on today. Willie, how about you? What do you What do you say? Give a funny movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I mean, when I really like to get into uh, animation more. I'm more into my, you know, my buddy Billy West with the old Futuramas, or I go to Rick and Morty, or, you know, mm-hmm. I mean. Uh, uh, Bill Burr has a good one. Bob's so Burgers is Bob's, Bob's Burgers, Burgers is all guys who started with me. Yeah, really, really. Oh, oh yeah, cool. M- yeah, Merman and Mintz and all those guys. Oh, wow. Wow, Bob's Burger Crew. Yeah, I can't watch Archer anymore though because of because of Bob. I just can't. I just can't. It just it's like it's just too much. You know. How do, how do you stay up though? Will you not not like Mike Lindell from the uh, My Pillow the way oh, he's no. the. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that'll keep you up. I got yeah, his oh, book. I threw up. it away. Yeah. If somebody sent me his book, I tossed it. I couldn't take it. Yeah. I had to get out. It had a hologram well, he, he got, on it. Yeah, he got sober in uh, in prison, right? We actually had uh, yeah. him on our cross check uh, cross check recovery radio show. Yeah, I'd find him really interesting. Uh, oh, he yeah. was. He was talking about how the deal, how the dealers would see him coming and run the other way because it didn't want to sell to him because he'd been awake awake already for a week, you know, yeah. doing everything. And they told him you got to get some sleep. Henceforth, he was might have been sleeping, and uh, who knows where he was sleeping? And it's like, oh, I need a good pillow for the uh, for the <laughs> street. But you got to hand it to him. He came up with a cure for the corona. You know, I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> he did. It's, he uh, sure did. <laughs> You sure did. Chris, what about you? Give me a... Um, I would probably say, like, anything, like, on Nat Geo, like, the last... The the Bush people of Alaska, that show is just... It's it's gold. It's gold. It's gold. It's it's just... You don't have to think about it. You're just like, oh, okay, whatever. (laughs) I'm glad I don't live like that, and you will not see me dipping rats in batter. And No. I don't know. Give it time. A ratsicle? A ratsicle, yeah. Yeah. We're headed that way. Um, so that's a show for the week. Yeah. That's a, uh, on that note, thank you to Michael Weber at Foxborough Cable Access Television. He he deals with this insane asylum week after week. And, uh, and go to the uh, comedy studio. And go to the comedy studio. Studio. com. And then, Chris, uh, what's our Facebook page? Tell us. Well, it's this. supposed to be the map, but if you just put map, it comes up as MAP. So, so like yeah, us. that's how I found you. Like us, become a follower. Yeah, like we want to hear. If you want to, we, we need friends. We need friends. Yeah, we need friends. And if you want a topic, um, you want us to find somebody to learn about something, please yeah. message us, reach out. Um, we, become a we follower. We're, we're trying yeah, to that's... start a cult. <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah, I did with last week's show. It worked. Yeah, well, well thank we you. like to we like to talk about things that people don't like to talk about yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. we come back on again oh we'd love to all right cool all right that's our show for the week and uh we'll catch you next time on the map map. have a great week everybody and we're out we're out hey rick what's up